to episode 55, I think, of what? No, episode, yeah, episode 55. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my God. It's the, it's the big five five. It's the big five five. What is a part documentary, part roundtable podcast with a sprinkle of competition? And I'm your host, Ellie Main, every week. And joining me is the wonderful, the beautiful, the immaculate, the swamp witch, Chelsea Harfouche. Well, 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 well. Yeah, I've got my vodka Red Bull. Oh. I ate my tadig. <laughs> She's regressing, guys. <laughs> I'm regressing. <laughs> I did have to explain to my mother this afternoon how the whole world is in like a low-level mental health emergency. Yes, 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 yes. Everything's falling apart inside of here. Yeah. She was doing well, she was doing a little bit. I mean, I love my mother, and she's also like a longtime listener of the show. So like shout out. But shout out, Molly. What's up? She does sometimes have that like Arab stoicism where she's like, you know. Uh, everyone else is having a hard time, and I see that because I'm an empathetic person. But not, but not us. Actually, like, yeah, we're fine and we're strong. And we're I just can't. Like, it was. I'm not gonna get into it, but like, it was because like a member of our family is like having a hard time, and she's Aww. like, I just can't figure out why this person is having a hard time. And I was like, Oh, I can. Do you, I'm raising my <laughs> hand. Do you want me to oh. tell you? Do you want me to tell you why they're having a hard time? Even just the extraneous <laughs> factors. Yeah. Mamba, yeah. Get out of here. It was Mamba. Mamba's been having a hard it time. It was Mamba. He's been screaming way more than usual. And my mom was like, I just don't know why he screams. He is little Lebanese boy and he should be so strong. What and I'm like, he wrong? is strong. But mom, I know you know this because you're a medical professional. Everybody has a hard time. And she's like, yeah. but not us, though. And I'm like, no, no, no. Everybody has a hard time. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, no, but like we're strong, like we're built, we're simply built different. It's 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 totally fine. We are actually all in crisis. Well, Molly, if you're listening, um, it's okay to let those walls down, babe. Yeah, we love you. Love you. Everyone's having a shit time. Yeah, everyone's having our time. <laughs> and this week we are joined by friend of the pod, Celia. Celia, what's up? Hello, I've returned. How are how your mother? <laughs> Where have you been since since we last heard about you? <laughs> since you last heard about me, I have in fact um, freeloaded my way, and by freeloaded, I mean uh, I fully pay rent and live in the same house as the Immaculate Swamp Witch. It's, oh my goodness, you rent with true. the Swamp Witch? I do, I do, and we we cast good spells and have our cats together. It's good clean spells. <laughs> <laughs> well technically we all rent from connor's dad so like shout out to connor's dad the it's sweetest true. little landlord in all the land way to go connor's dad way to, way to go connor's dad putting a roof over these uh slackers heads so it's great um <laughs> celia will you tell me the best thing that happened to you this week Aww. this week yeah oh yeah uh i went down to galveston uh Aww. to see some family old family friends and help them move some stuff around in their house and it was great and i love the ocean and i love a good kitschy uh beach town so it was great that's that was a really lovely that thing that's fantastic yeah. <laughs> i was expecting sort of something along my line of thing which would be like well i went to target <laughs> can i tell you what my highlight was oh please do i'm so sorry yes chelsea please tell me your highlight well why would i tell you when i could sing you oh gosh Seagulls in the sand Can you hear my prayer (laughs) Yes If you guys don't know You must watch Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar It is the the middle aged women buddy comedy That we've needed and we didn't know about It's fucking amazing I will not be doing that 
Why? No, it's so funny. <laughs> I no. I watched no? the trailer. It looks so bad. It's not bad. No one asked for it. And, and no yes, one asked it for exists. it. And it has this really bananas like musical number in the middle. Uh that's yeah. like a power ballad, but it's like it actually kind of whips. And it's <laughs> totally singles. whips. And it fucking okay. whips. I don't I okay. don't want to give anyone any more information because like you have to watch this movie. It's <sighs> so good. I have some really fun five fun fast facts. I need to hear them immediately. Okay, good. Because I went on a little tear here and I want to tell you the full story of what happened. My brain replaced dinosaurs with space. What? Okay. I was like, oh, Celia's going to be on the podcast. I'm going to find five fun fast facts about, and then my brain corrected dinosaurs, which is what you're actually really into with space. (laughs) So I have five facts about space. I do like space too. But they do whip, so I'm excited for all of us. In the year of 2020, there was a lot going on, so we didn't catch all of the like, you know, whimsy news. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. we took the biggest picture of the sun last year, and every pixel in that picture is the size of France. What? Yes. Like the biggest ever photograph of the sun taken. Each pixel is the size of France in terms of the sun. In terms of the sun. Big, big dude. Fact number two. Apparently, inside of Neptune and Uranus's um, atmospheres, it rains diamonds because of the heat and the pressure. That whips. Isn't that so fucking cool? That that we're being like. Oh, this is the piece of jewelry. I'm gonna sell it. And then on like the other side of the of our solar system, there's a planet just raining diamonds. <laughs> We're so stupid. Okay, fact number Dime. three. Okay. <laughs> they are using radioactive fungus from ch- the site of Chernobyl to create spacesuits that repel radiation. Mom. Okay, I'm gonna want to know more about that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but you remember the whole thing that we talked about in our amazing moon episode, even if I do say so myself, that there are these radiation belts, just space is full of radiation because they don't have an atmosphere that stops it, right? Right. They have taken these sort of mold fungus spores from the, the site of Chernobyl, obviously, famously, a huge radioactive disaster. And they're using that technology. They sent this. If they sent some of those cells up into space and found that they, because they are radioactive cells, they absorbed radiation and like healed themselves at a ridiculous rate. So they're trying to find a way to make that substance into a spacesuit so that um, astronauts can get further, slash to Mars and stuff. So Chernobyl might end up getting us to Mars. Dang. I like that. Yeah, we can get to Mars, we can get to Saturn, we can get them diamonds. <laughs> yes, exactly. It <laughs> is a hop, skip, and a leap away. Number four, this might be the dopest sentence in the whole world. Are you ready? Europa, one out of 79 moons of Jupiter, is very likely a glow-in-the-dark orb of radioactive ice. I have a difficult time conceptualizing the gas giants that they're like. Oh yeah. That it's 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 gas. Like it's just gas. Oops, all gas. Like oops, all gas. Like I feel <laughs> the like, way that I feel about the thing about boats, where it's like, please don't explain. Like people have tried. Oh to yeah, explain. yeah. I don't know how boats float. Please don't explain. I can't know. Again, like I know that a ring is not really a ring, like on Saturn. Yeah. But I can't really conceptualize that off of being stupid. Can I you imagine put, 
Imagine it's like Rainbow Road and you can roller skate on that's it. What that's what I want. I do like that. See, yeah, I put all of I my think. points into like charisma and hotness. And yeah. so I didn't have any left over for intelligence. And I do not understand conceptually <laughs> that I can't skate on the ring. Okay, here's my last one. Here's my fifth. Okay. So you know how we've like really ruined this planet? Yes. Yeah. Like big time. Oh, it's done. We'll, it's get, done we'll, we'll guess what? <laughs> We've also ruined the moon because the Earth's magnetic field, uh, which is being fucked by climate change, because what isn't, is causing the moon to rust. Wait, what? Yeah. What is moon the moon is rusting at its poles, at the north and south poles of the moon. Oh, because it's not wet. the moon. Because we did learn that she's wet, folks. So we're not only taking down Mother Earth, but every everyone around us. <laughs> Chelsea, what is the title of your topic? We are, I guess, competing for Celia's intellectual affection. That's true. Yes. In honor of Milkshake Trudeckin, I think I'm just going to go with this idea I just had, which is, okay, who's been growing up everything? It's been British folk all along. Bum, bum, bum. British folk? That's me. British folk. <laughs> <laughs> British folk growing things. Is it about the Chelsea Flower show? No, but is that that thing that you've been asking me to watch? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, the thing I've been asking you to watch is the um, America's Next Top Model of Florists, and it's so bad and uh-huh. incredible. No, the Chelsea Flower show is um, in the same vein as Crufts, which is the like uh, dog show, like televised dog show, and it is a um, annual flower show event in Chelsea <laughs> and people do care about it a lot yeah so that's what I thought maybe it was was that no it is not that okay is it about men who grow big marrows what's a marrow a what it's like a gross zucchini like a bigger zucchini you're getting close oh it's basically a courgette that gets massive and has no flavor anymore but like old men will uh, or other people i'm sure will like do vegetable competitions where they grow really big vegetables and it's like hilarious ding ding, that? ding 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 <gasps> oh my gosh our survey says wow survey says it is about the old men in england who like to grow giant vegetables yes excellent <laughs> that's amazing oh my god let the record show guys that i that i know that simply because i'm british and it's just like a part of it yeah just a part that's that's the impression i'm getting i think you're gonna really enjoy like learning a little bit more about the why and the how <laughs> But I do think it's funny that like you got that you were like oh you mean like those giant things that like my oh, you mean that, like, you mean the guys that make massive to tomatoes yeah yeah amazing so my topic I'm really excited I feel like it's a return to form it's part like it feels like me really connecting with the Ellie that started like wanted to start this podcast okay my topic is called anthropodermic bibliopagy anthropodermic bibliology what was the second word bibliopagy with a p. <laughs> anthropodermic bibliopagy well anthropodermic makes me think it's about human skin okay oh is it that thing where some people can like write on their skin no Mm -mm. yeah i like uh connor from the patreon chats guess is it about making books out of human skin oh yes 
Yes, that's right, Dang. Connor. You and me, we did the uh, we did we did SAT prep, right? Am I <laughs> yes. right? I know about it's, prefixes and suffixes. It's about books bound ba- like bound in human skin, which is a thing. Is this the first episode where both of the topics have been guessed? It might be. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Let's talk about the 2020 Mansfield Grow Show. With- <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> Which happened, as you might imagine, in Mansfield, where a man named Peter Glazebrook, which is a very British name, uh, <laughs> set a new world record with his leak that he grew <laughs> that was four feet long. Which what? Cel- yeah, which Celia to help you at is almost a Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Why me specifically? <laughs> I can just imagine you to give me, me missing two feet. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's so I guess it's like two thirds of a U. So it's very big, or almost a me. So okay, Peter yes. Glazebrook was very excited to win with his giant leak. And he was also really excited to get that new world record, but it wasn't a new experience for him because over the course of his career as a competitive vegetable grower, he (laughs) has held 16 world records. Oh my gosh. No. Yes. Uh, Including world's heaviest cauliflower, which he still holds uh, at 60 pounds. So that's like three months. A potato at ten pounds, a ten pound <laughs> potato, and then as we said, as we said, as of twenty twenty, the longest leak, the longest leak, excellent, the longest leak, which was gonna be like my original title because I thought it'd be funny to see if you guys could guess like L E A K versus L E E K. Oh yeah, that would be was, fun. But then I, I was, I felt inspired. It was sneaky. So Glazebrook is like the Tom Brady of this. <laughs> competitive vegetable growing in England. He's from Nottinghamshire. He's retired. He is 76 years old. He wears like the outfit. Like he looks like the guy from Babe where he's like in, (laughs) he's in a collared shirt followed by a sweater, followed by a sweater vest, followed by a little cap. Just like the most British old man you've ever imagined. He's really gone in for it. Yeah, he's got in for it. Like, this is who he is. Um, He has dominated competition basically since it started, which happened in a South Wales pub in 1980. According to another another competitor who also is like the unofficial spokesperson of the giant veg movement, which is, (laughs) by the way, very big on Facebook. uh, He says his quote is, it was just a bit of banter over a pint, really. Oh, okay. <laughs> Over oh, who could grow oh, the biggest pumpkin? Uh, and Did then you say they it again basically with the accent. Uh, hold on, just let me let me get like in my space for like my really good accent mm, work. Well, you're um, so good at accents, so yeah. I need to hear it again. It was just a bit of a banter of a point, really. Says nice, <laughs> nice. Over yeah. who could yeah, grow yeah, the biggest you, pumpkin? So I, Celia, I hope you'll notice that and give me points for my um, uh, humble, my humility, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you will. And I am taking notes. So basically, yeah, <laughs> it was just like a bunch of like older farmers 
in a pub in Wales in the 80s and they got to drinking and they were like, I can grow the biggest pumpkin. And somebody else was like, no, the fuck you I can. can the- yeah, the fuck you can. So they held the first ever like giant vegetable growing contest. And originally they were just going to hold it at that same pub. They had very first had the idea, which also totally goes along with everything I feel I understand about like British pub culture of just like live by the pub, die by the pub. Like we had this idea, like obviously we're going to keep doing it in the pub, but by the mid eighties, like, so they did this every year and like by like the fourth or fifth year, the pumpkins were so big, they couldn't get them through the doors. Uh, (laughs) so they had to move it yeah so they had to move it outside how is that possible just through like breeding or is it steroids or is it breeding it's breeding because like that's the other thing is that this is you know um this is like a gentle british countryside i guess it's a sport they just just keep picking they get they pick the biggest vegetables and then they make big vegetables with those so this is, yeah, so this is what I discovered in my research, because, yes, okay. I was trying to figure out how to grow <laughs> like, giant vegetables. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how do you do this? Um, so I tried to join their giant vegetable community on Facebook. It is private. I was not let in. <gasps> wow. uh, I think it's probably because I'm American and uh, a garbage person. And they were like, there's no way that she's growing giant vegetables. She's just here. <laughs> this doesn't, she's just here for I, a laugh. This is sus, they said. This is sus. <laughs> so... So I went and did my own research and like it appears to be and this is like where I get really into it. Like I'm not a gardener, right? Like like hashtag like I'm not a rapper. I'm not a gardener. And (laughs) I feel like gardening is as close as we get to like alchemy. You know what I mean? Like it is this weird thing of like if you have these seeds. Potion making. And this soil. Yeah. These seeds and this soil and you spit on it under the moonlight and you like <laughs> plant it at this time and you turn it this way and you talk to it like you're going to grow special things. And I yeah. just think that's so fucking fascinating. You know, like the concept of terroir, if you guys have ever heard of that, which Mm-mm. is no, no terroir is the idea that like it's kind of like that like that mostly they use it to talk about wine. But it's the idea okay. that like all of these little details about how something has grown that you can taste it when you eat oh, or drink okay. it. Yeah. So like, like when a similia is like, mm, someone passed under this that it was having an episode of whatever. Like, yeah. Where okay. they're like, somebody, somebody danced naked under the moonlight in this like highly acidic soil. And you can taste that. <laughs> like terroir <laughs> is like part science, but it's also like part magic, like people who are really into it. I do so, like that. Yeah, I love it. I get so into it. And so from what I've read... It's very Asgard. Yes. I've been that's watching the, the MCU, right? so please don't... No, that's... No, that, sweet, that's Aslan. Aslan <laughs> okay, is the lion. Asgard is where Thor is from. <laughs> Jesus, Chelsea. <laughs> Aslan okay. is the Jesus lion. And Asgard yeah. is where Thor is from. Okay, yes. well, you know, and anyone can see that walking down the street, so it's fine. <laughs> so as I was doing this research about how I too could maybe grow giant things, even though sure. the guys on Facebook said, no way, Jose. <laughs> you uh, can't come in. <laughs> you can't come in. I learned it's a combination of having the right seeds. So there are certain like heirloom varietals of different vegetables okay. that lend themselves to being really large. So some examples, and I mean, I think the names really kind of like give away the plot but like uh for example if you want to grow 
a carrot that's like over a foot long, you're going to want to get that Japanese imperial long carrot. If you want to, if you want if you want to maybe make a thousand pound pumpkin, sure, then well, you'd get obviously. an Atlantic. Yeah, obviously, you'd want to get an Atlantic giant pumpkin. Well, you that's know? what you're gonna. That's the first one you're gonna look for. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, if you want to start out small, like maybe do something that's like better for our climate here in Austin, you might want to get yourself an old Colossus heirloom tomato, which will yeah, make you exactly. uh, at least a two pound tomato. I which, love these names. Right? It's oh, so they're so good. good. For squash, which is similar to your marrow, I'm thinking, uh, it's a Shoking giant green squash, and you can those can grow up to be over 400 pounds. It's so good. You could just make the shit up. It's like, if you want a big old Swede, then um, you're going to want to get the Goliath Mega Swede from Eastern <laughs> uh, Svetlana. You are going to want that Goliath Mega Swede. It is the only way to go. So then the second part of this, right, is this kind of terroir thing where, like, it's like, oh, and everybody has an opinion. If you go to Wales, if you go to the areas of England where this is a big competition, a big part Ooh. of like, you know, sort of everyday culture, you will hear all sorts of opinions of just like, oh, you're going to plant those squash. You're going to want to do that at night. Oh, well, you think you want to go plant those squash? want to do that lately? You know what you've I mean? got that mammoth Zeppelin, Goliath, Samson and Delilah squash. You're going to want to go. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna want to go ahead and make sure that your soil has this ph or whatever so oh, you got the really azkaban bok choy <laughs> oh you've got that aslan cucumber yeah that's that big old lion co- cucumber you're gonna want to oh, yeah. plant that yeah, in the yeah, jesus yeah, yeah. soil you want to so, put that in the jesus soil. <laughs> <laughs> so so the other part of this is this selectively breeding right so like that's why people like glazebrook mm-hmm. have a competitive advantage. That's why he has so many world records is because he's been doing this for like 40 years. So what he will do is like, say like you grow your Aslan cucumber and you plant them and there's like four cucumbers on the vine and three of them are like big, but like the fourth one is like big. Then you need to sacrifice those other three. You need to chop them off before they're done because you want all of the nutrients from the soil and the water and the sun to only go to this one. So you have to kind of like a little bit of it is like luck and strategy and like gamifying your plants of being like, how early can you identify who is the winner? Like who's the front runner? And then you sacrifice everybody else and you just devote all of your time and energy to like nurturing that boy to be the biggest possible boy. And then you take the seeds from that one and those are the only ones you plant the next time. So right. you keep like selectively breeding, growing the biggest mm-hmm. to get Boy. bigger and bigger. Right. So now in the modern times, this is <laughs> this is just like its own. I mean, never been more appropriate. Cottage industry. Like hey. we're, we're talking pumpkins as big as Mini Coopers. What? Yes. Like thousand no. pounds. Like thousands of pounds. It does compel me. I do have an image here. I'll send it to... Let me, hold let me see if I can copy it. I'm going to send this image to the Patreon chat. This is a pumpkin being lifted by, like, a crane. What? <laughs> like yeah. James and the Giant Peach shit. Yes. Oh, that's British, right? That's a British book. That's probably where it came from. That is a British book. Yeah, it's about the yeah. biggest peach ever. And then they I hold it up and they seen that play movie. Yeah. Oh, see the, movie the, the Tim Burton movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah and the, is good. And the grasshopper that plays the violin. Yes. 
two more things about this that I just think are really fun. One is Glazebrook and Forty, they claim that you can eat these giant vegetables. They're like, yes, like sometimes they turn Yeah, they're like sometimes they turn mushy or like woody and they don't taste super great. There is like this like misconception they say that like giant vegetables are largely inedible and it's just for show. But they say that it's much more about like being creative. And so something that they do is that after the competition is over, they'll make like soups and stews and especially like chutneys and jams and stuff like that. And then oh, they yeah, distribute them throughout the ent- oh, you you gotta love a chutney. And so they'll make a chutney <laughs> with like uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, nice. the beets or the peppers or you know whatever giant thing that they've grown. Yeah. And then they'll uh distribute those across their communities for free. Which Aww. I think is really sweet. Like here's your giant beet chutney. Chutney. <laughs> My grandma makes some <laughs> wicked chutneys. Yeah? yeah. Oh, oh a yeah. chutney? Oh, she loves to make a chutney. She loves to make a yam. There's so many. Her cupboards are just full How of jams. How do you make a yam? No, I mean jams. I was just saying silly. I think it'd be very cool if you became like our friend that makes chutneys. Chutney? And then you For- can go get the Antonelli's cheese and I'll be like, come over and taste <gasps> my chutneys. And then Max has the pate. Oh my God, it's perfect. Oh my perfect. God. People will Celia, be dying to come to you our You need parties. to figure out how to make crackers. Get on it. Why do I get, like, a complicated item? (laughs) Oh, come on. Oh, because you think chutney is simple? You think a chutney is a simple dish? And you know what I do. Fine, you can go buy the cheese from Antonelli's, and I will make focaccia, because that's a thing I've been practicing. (gasps) That is fair. I have one more fun fact that I just think really brings it home, which is uh, in a recent interview about the competitive vegetable growing in Britain... So for reasons that I do not understand, Snoop yeah. Dogg was yes. brought by the BBC to mm-hmm. one of these Welsh vegetable growing competitions, not Good. to like judge it, but just to be there. And yeah. he wore like a, a Welsh like football club jersey and he met all of these like men in their 80s to talk, uh. <laughs> to talk about it. Uh, but apparently while he was there... He was asking for mega growing advice from all of the old men because he said to the BBC, and I quote, uh, I dabble in vegetation myself. (gasps) Oh, he just wants to know how to grow big old vegetables. No, I think he wants to know how to grow giant weed. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. So so what do I have to whisper into the grass for this? Like, what what do we do here? So I'm just like absolutely enamored with like my vision. Like I would like make this special. Like this, like this is the sketch, my one sketch for SNL. Like I would like apply to write for SNL and they'd be like, what do you got? And I'd be like, I have this one sketch. It's where Snoop Dogg goes to Wales and meets a bunch of old men. And it turns out it's just because he wants to grow giant weed. And like they're all growing like, thousand pound pumpkins and four foot long leeks and then we have all those on stage and that's hilarious that's a sight gag and snoop's like yeah 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 but how do i make giant wheat and they're like great you're hired what other ideas do you have and i'm like no that's it that is my sketch this is my one thing that i want to do. i want to see it on <laughs> the it? television that's and that's it I would, I would like to see it on a screen and then i'm done i love it and then that's it and that's actually it I am now ready to be judged. Okay, so Chelsea, here on my sheet of paper in front of me, I took detailed yes. notes. Holy shit. So I'd like to start wow. in the category of charisma. 
wherein I put three smiley faces. Oh my god. Which I will quantify as nine points. Three points yes. each. Yes. Well done. Because well done. I found it, and this is my next category, charming, which oh, I will okay. give you three more points for. Yes. Because I did okay. find both it to be charismatic and charming because it's cute. Old men growing plants. That is Very cute. sweet. Very pure. Um, I, too, would like to grow old plants. Um, then I gave you four more points for whimsy yes. and magic. Oh, oh, my God. So that's 16. But, however, I will be Uh-oh. taking away five points. What? For you turning SNL in at the end because mm. my personal bias is against SNL sketches. So that's yeah, but who else is gonna who else is gonna produce my Snoop Dogg weed sketch? I feel like there are other options out there. <laughs> that's fair. I will take that criticism. It's entirely fair. Okay, so then will give, but then I will give oh. you one more point oh for God. humility in doing the accent again. Oh, thank you. That's nice. That's a nice twelve. And so that is 12. my. That is my that is my point to totaling for you. In the summer of 1868, a 28-year-old Irish widow named Mary Lynch was admitted to Ward 27 of Philadelphia General Hospital. This place had a pretty wicked nickname of Old Blockley, and it was a huge facility for the poor in West Philadelphia. So it contained a hospital. It was like a hospital, orphanage, poorhouse, and asylum in one. <laughs> Oof. Alva. Yikes. Yes, yike indeed. Just four summers prior, some walls in its female lunatic asylum part um, collapsed and killed 18 women and injured 20 more. So it was a pretty like terrible, badly run, badly upkept place. Very much far from where if you were wealthy, you would send someone to get better. It was pretty much like just for the desperately ill poor. So Mary was admitted with tuberculosis, which was at the time apparently called phthisis. It was called what? P-H-T-H-I-S-I-S, which I presume is phthisis. That's a that's a that's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough word, isn't it? That's a toughie. That's I, hope a toughie right there. I hope you guys are ready for some real weird, nasty, morbid, spooky shit because you know that this is my Jimmy Jams. Oh, you know we're down. We're down to clown. <laughs> this is what I love. I love, love, I love I, your Jimmy Jams. So I'm, I'm ready. so morbidly curious. What I feel is beyond the 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 white woman stereotype of of true crime. <laughs> Her arms were cut off. Her, Her legs, legs were cut were off. Kind of. <laughs> so Mary Lynch's family did what they could to make her comfortable while she suffered and visited her with food and stuff. And no one seemed to notice the white specks on the lunch meat that they brought with them, which is a telltale sign of roundworm infection. So oh. then on top of this Ugh. tuberculosis, she contracted trichinosis, which... Was real bad. Ugh, yeah, that's rough. Trichinosis is a foodborne disease caused Ooh. by a parasite. Gross. Now she's got t- tuberculosis and trichinosis. Nasty. Nurses attended to her over about six months as she. Oh, it's pretty rough. She withered away to like sixty pounds and eventually oh succumbed my- oh. to both of these diseases. When everyone was like, "What's happening?" So then enter in the young doctor John Stockton Howe or Hoff, it's H-O-U-G-H, but I'm going to just say it that it's Howe. Howe, yes. Hoff, Howe, who cares? <laughs> um, so uh-huh. John Stockton Howe first encountered Mary Lynch on his autopsy table. 
January 1869. He, he eventually wrote an article in the American Journal of the Medical Sciences called Two Cases of Trichinitis at the Philadelphia Hospital in Blockley. Tower reported that when he opened her chest cavity to observe her tuberculosis ravaged lungs and stuff, mm -hmm. he noticed that the pectoral muscles had some unusual lemon-shaped kind of cysts and he realized that the cysts were teeming with trichinitis spiralis, which is essentially worms. So, so she had this yeah. parasite growing in her body and all these different cysts, very, very, very nasty. Apparently, counting the number in one grain of muscle, the whole number of cysts were estimated to be about 8 million. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. That's rough for me. It's not Eat nice. Bleh. Mary Lynch was actually the first case of trichinosis discovered in his hospital and as far as he could find in Philadelphia as well. So he was like, ooh, as a young doctor, like this is interesting for me and I'm going to study this. It was during this autopsy that he decided to remove the skin from Mary Lynch's thighs, which he preserved in a chamber pot and stored for safekeeping. The reason for which... We do not know. I was just about to say, did he tell any of his colleagues that he was doing this? Is this it doesn't a thing seem that like he, he did? did? I don't think so. And she was kind of a nobody, so he kept her skin and like her the, her body was dumped in a pauper's grave and at Old Blockley, which, as you and I and Celia know, because of the topics that we've done on the podcast so far, was she was probably dug up and sold to someone for medical autopsies. <laughs> After that, even, but then this guy being a rich white male, became rich and well-respected, but he was a complete bibliophile. His whole thing was collecting books and he had thousands and thousands of books in his library uh, when he died. But he decided that he was going to use Mary Lynch's skin to bind three of his favorite medical books on women's health and reproduction. Ugh. Okay. Ugh. <laughs> this has got yeah. some really like down bad dude energy. Yeah. That I am not enjoying. I mean, I'm enjoying learning about it, but I am not happy about. Oh, yeah. We're going to yes. come back to it because like his like the thing is that, that this wasn't where we're coming from. It 100 percent is like this wasn't really a super horrific, creepy thing to do. It's more common than you think. So which is upsetting. So I hope not. <laughs> no, it. Yeah, I mean, not that common, but like. <laughs> so. <laughs> So he decided to bind these books, three of his favorite medical books on women's health and reproduction in Mary Lynch's skin. So yes, anthropodermic bibliopagy is the practice of binding books in human skin. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. How died at age 56 after a runaway horse threw him from his carriage, <laughs> but the bulk of his massive library collection went to his alma mater, which was the University of Pennsylvania. And specifically mm -hmm. most of his books, because he was super interested mostly in medical books and medicine itself, obviously being a little junior doctor, most of his books went to the library at the College of Physicians of Philadelphia. And so this is not like, like it's, as I can say, it's like not ridiculously uncommon, but obviously it's not the norm. Anthropodermic bibliopagy has been a specter on the shelves of libraries, museums, and people's private collections for like over a hundred years. Mostly they were made in the 19th century by doctors uh, and specifically kind of doctor bibliophiles, people who are obsessed with collecting books and collecting medical books. Right. Most human skin mm. books, <laughs> most human skin books were made or were, um, obtained by 
19th century doctors. And they are pretty much not really controversial for the ideas they contain, but because they're freaking bound in human skin. Like they repel and they fascinate people and they look so ordinary. Like it looks like any other kind of book. It looks like any other kind of leather. And, and, and lots of librarians who work on, you know, professional librarians or historians who work in places where these books are held are so frustrated by how, because of like the sort of macabre fascination, people only really want to go and see these books rather than all the other incredible books that they have. They're just like, well, they only care about them because they're bound in human skin, which, which, which to, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Duh. I yeah. will cop to this. Yes. I will say that this is interesting to me and disgusting and I want to see it. Show it to you. me immediately. <laughs> so the anthropodemic, the anthropodemic books that we have so far tell this kind of complicated and weird nasty tale about development of clinical medicine and the doctoring class and kind of the worst of what can come from the inquisitiveness right or, or like acquisitiveness and learning about the human body and son of and kind of like a distance clinical gaze like we've talked about uh, having to like make your mind be separate from what you're doing in terms of in terms of like autopsy when you're dealing with human bodies and when we're dealing with um corpses which is what we talked about a long time ago but this yeah. idea that you have to distance yourself from the emotions of it, right? Totally. And this mm-hmm. is almost like the most macabre and weird apex of that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what if not only did I write about the human body, but I bound it in skin? That's pretty cool, right? And everyone's like, no. They're like, ooh. <laughs> and you know ooh, what? I don't difficult. like that. <laughs> so enter in the hard. Anthropodermic Book Project. It's a society slash kind of just organization whose aim is to identify and test as many alleged anthropodermic books as possible and test them, you know, to check. (laughs) And as of May 2019, the Anthropodermic Book Project has examined 31 out of 50 books in public institutions supposed to have anthropodermic bindings, of which 18 have have been confirmed as human and 13 have been demonstrated to be animal instead. Oh my God. How do they do this? (laughs) The identification of human skin bindings has been attempted by examining the pattern of hair follicles to distinguish human skin from that of other animals used for book binding, which is obviously mostly cows, sheep, goats, pigs, the main sources from which we get leather. But it's kind of a subjective test, which after you know the the distortions in the process of treating leather makes it really hard to do um dna samples is possible but the tanning process of leather can destroy the dna and also it degrades over time and obviously because most mm. of these are from the 19th century it makes that really really hard to identify so instead mm-hmm. the main way that they do this is called peptide mass fingerprinting and basically just like a tiny sample is extracted from the book's covering and they test the collagen inside it and that has specific proteins that are characteristic of different species so you can identify if it belongs to a primate and seeing as monkeys are almost never used as a source of skin for bindings that then implies human skin as opposed oh, to calf, sheep, goat, and pig. And no one was like, I'm going to bind this in a monkey. It's a very specific thing to be like, I'm going to bind this in human skin. Ugh. Yeah. Yes. It's just, it is just, diff- it is it difficult, puts the right? nation. <laughs> it's just not mm. normal. It's not, it's not good. It's you not know what good. I mean? Like, I don't. I don't hear it and I don't think, ooh, that's good. It's actually it's actually not. Ooh, yummy, good. yummy. Yeah, no. It's 
actually that. <laughs> that particular library in Philadelphia has five anthropodermic books. Three of them are from this gross dude's how or Hoff's copies that he decided to make. Um, another one of them is his, and it was kind of confusing when they found it because it looks like a 19th century library's equivalent of like a phone directory. It's quarter bound, which means that only one quarter of the book is covered in leather around the spine, and the front and back covers are what you would recognize as a hardcover today with like paper overboard. So the human part whoop, is only the spine of it. This is so gross. So you're yes. welcome. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's so big, this book, that opening and closing it over the years has put a lot of strain on the binding, which has Ugh. developed a specific type of rot, and uh, mm. which is uh, really nasty, where sort of, you know, just exposure to acids br- begins to break down the leather. So the library has mercifully covered it in a clear jacket to stop that from depositing bits of human leather on anyone who handles it. No. Um, <laughs> no. I I find like okay skin. So when I worked in a hospital, which I know I've talked about on this podcast before, we used to always joke like you said that like you have to have a level of kind of like separation from what you're doing in order to be able to do any kind of like medical stuff. But we would always joke that like everybody has their one that just sort of like breaks through the armor. Everybody has like their one thing that is just like the thing that they Yeah, just like that's disgusting. Like that's like that's my limit. And like I can't do it. Like my stepmom, Dana, you know, she's been like an ER nurse for years. And like she has, I mean, she has seen everything that you could imagine. A lot of shit that you probably can't imagine. But for her, it's phlegm. It's like oh, specifically yeah. like uh, when like the um like respiratory techs would come in and like suction stuff out of people's lungs. She's like, <laughs> I just can't, I can't fucking do it. Like I can't see it. I can't smell it. I can't know about it. Yeah. I can't do it. I don't want to like, know it's there. Yeah, it's her thing. For me, it really, it's just skin stuff like i like i will i have i have seen like open bodies and i i have seen like gray matter leaking onto a stretcher from like somebody's like exposed brain and i was like wow but like skin stuff like like skin rotting skin being flayed skin like there's a term there's a medical term which is degloving which is basically exactly what it sounds like Uh. yeah like that's incredibly Seeing body where skin's supposed to be and skin not there anymore is like difficult for me. Okay. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> anyway, so, continue. Uh, please and please continue. Yeah, I will. I will. So <laughs> inside this big old catalog that's so big that the pieces of human skin have started to come off it. Mm-hmm. It turns out like because because people were kind of confused as to why this book he deemed special enough to be bound in human skin. And it's because they, they've kind of come to the conclusion that because he was such a huge bibliophile, like so obsessed, specifically so obsessed with medical books, that this is kind of like the ultimate catalog of medical books. And so he was making this huge list so that he could define the universe of medical books and collect as many as possible as he could. So this was kind of like his list of what he wanted to collect, which is why okay. he thought it, thought it um, important enough to find in, in, in skin. Hmm. But yeah, so there are many other, many other examples of human bound books from all around the world. During the French Revolution, there were rumors that a tannery for human skin had been established just outside of Paris. And apparently the 
Carnavale Museum owns a volume containing the French Constitution of 1793, bound in skin, and the Declaration of the Rights of Man and the Citizen, bound in human skin, but made to imitate a calf. So that's weird. Why? Mm. If you're going to do that, just own it, I feel like, right? There's a there's a book in that's in Brown University that has a panel in with a Latin inscription, Hic liber femineo corio cor vestitus est, which means this book has been bound with the skin of a woman. Hmm. For most part, surviving examples of human skin bindings have often been commissioned, performed, or collected by medical doctors. Like That is really where you find these things, who have accessed the cadavers. And for the most part, it's this huge detachment between obviously the human and having the skin and like their findings and they want to encapsulate their findings in the person of totality that they that they found it in which to us is fucking weird but i guess to them was not so much who's to say i feel remember in my topic about resurrectionists i noted that the guy, well, there were like two of them, but one of the guys who was super famous for instead of digging up bodies, just killing people and selling the bodies to medical institutions was named William Burke. And after his execution and subsequent apparently public dissection, his skin was made into a journal, a notebook, which is now in a museum in London. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The most famous of all, apparently, the most famous okay. of all anthropodermic bindings is exhibited at the Boston Athenaeum, which is titled The Highwayman, Narrative of the Life of James Allen, alias George Walton. And it's by James Allen, who made his deathbed confession in prison in 1837. He asked for a copy bound in his own skin to be presented to a man he once tried to rob and admired for his bravery and another one for his doctor. So they did that. They used the skin from his back and took it to a tannery and made two copies of that book. Disgusting. The one that I think that you might find um, the, the best was a 19th century printing of a 16th century French BDSM allegorical poem, uh-huh. which was owned by the same club to which this gross dude Hoff belonged to, was bound in human skin. So they took this. There's like one example of a real sex book that they oh just a went, real a real skin skin mag a real skin mag that they uh-huh. they like went that. so far like as to bind. In, in in a human. Skokina, I know how much you admire me. Um, I do promise to never give you a book bound in my skin. And I just simply ask that you do not present me with the same. Even though I know you admire me a lot. I simply ask that you <laughs> well, don't do that. Well, the thing is, it seems like that story was that he tried to rob someone. Uh-huh. And I hope that you are not implying you've robbed me. I have well, I've ro- I've stolen your heart. Ah, I've robbed you of your free time by making you watch the newsroom with me and getting you really into it. That's a good gift, though. You know, like that was a kind, yeah, considerate gift. That was a um, gift. I can't make you any promises. I might, you know, have a mental break or you know reach the point of no return in this pandemic, in which uh, I may I might present you with a book. Fuck. See, that's exactly the one thing I asked you not to do. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, you know, like keep you on okay, your toes. I'll prepare. Yeah, okay. okay. I'll 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 stay vigilant about yeah, it. As you should. <laughs> Let me just wrap it up by saying Okay. I think all of our mental images of like someone binding books in human skin is like a little obviously like Silence of the Lambs, lone mad scientist in a little basement being like <laughs> Some Necronomicon shit. Yeah. 
But <laughs> the truth is <laughs> that these guys were like, most of them are super well respected in their fields, like very admired doctors and collectors. And it's just like one of those things that's so difficult to square with our current perceptions of medical ethics and consent and the use of human remains. Um, that it's just like for like back then within that field and within that very particular social status of that field, it was just like, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you bind a, you bind a book in human skin. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, yeah, they really just used to do whatever the fuck they wanted with people. Of course, and and for the <laughs> most part, the identities of people used by doctors to create human skin books are, con- are totally lost to history. It's only because this guy Hoff created some identifying information about the source of his quote unquote leather in his handwritten notes inside, referring to a Mary L in each of the three volumes that were made from her. It was just that, plus the knowledge of Hoff working at this place, Old Blockley, really nasty asylum hotel place, that inspired the College of Physicians of Philadelphia Librarian, whose name is Beth Lander, to dig into the general hospital archives in search of the true identity of woman and find her. That's how we know that it was Mary Lynch, and we know her story is because of that tiny piece of information that was given by the mad dude who made a book out of her skin. And for the most part, people don't know, you know, there's no record of whose skin was used to make these weird medical books, but... A lot of what I've talked about tonight comes from this book written by Megan Rosenblum, which is The Dark Archives, amazing, colon, yes. a librarian's investigation into the science and history of books bound in human skin. Uh, missed opportunity to call it The Dark Hives, but I'll allow it. Sure. And <laughs> you're right. And that's my that's my topic on anthropodermic bibliopathy. Damn, dude. <laughs> Mm, Isn't that nasty? Dark. Th- that was yeah. nasty. Yes, that was straight. It's a different nasty. kind of nasty than just. Somehow, like, I don't think that your it. points are going to come from smiley faces, but I guess we'll see. Well, we will they, see. They will see what do you say? <laughs> so you did not get any smiley faces, but that does not mean that you did not get points. I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just have that I know. So, um, here's what I wrote. The first thing okay. I did was I put a star. And then oh. I put Jimmy Jams. Um, yeah. I do not recall what that was in conjunction with, but uh, I will give you three points for that. Thank you so much. Then I Gorgeous. will give you three points for Yike Factor. Thank you. And then four points for Yucky Morbid. Thank you. Yeah, my favorite. For Yucky Stinky. Ooh, oh gosh. Ooh, Yucky Stinky. Oh no. Yeah, Yucky Stinky. Oopsie. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Um, then I will give you one point for, I too would want to hold it in my hand. Okay. Uh, the book, that is. <laughs> the book. Okay. <laughs> I really enjoy these. I really enjoy these notes made in the moment. It's very good. I I give you one point for I too want to hold it in my hand. <laughs> that classic metric of achievement. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I will take away two point for Aww. I know. Well, we're not done. Okay. I, I will take away two point for didn't know you were this freaky. Oh yeah, sure. Nice. Uh and then I will She give does you- keep it under wraps. I know. And then I will give you one more point back for spooky history. Ooh, okay. I love that. Okay, so in this episode, Chelsea gained 12 points and Ellie gave ten, uh, Ellie gained 10 points. 
It means that we have, unless I did my math super wrong last time, which is very possible, means that Chelsea is on 48. Nice. And Ellie is on ski bap but up 40. Oh, Jesus. You Connor get really did fuck me with okay, that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Celia, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my goodness. And thank you what for a, having what me. What an incredible judge, too. Um, I really enjoy the notes made. I think that adds, adds a lot to the judge. And if I could, I'd give you points. Yeah, she really she really set a higher standard for any guests to come. Yeah, she did. Celia, how do you so, feel? Do you feel great? I do feel great. I would give myself um, blue participation ribbon for um, deliciousness. Greatest- Yes, greatest deliciousness recipe builder. Um, and the recipe are my notes. Celia, where can yes. people find you? Well, I'm excited to announce that I do have a TikTok presence now. Oh my. Uh, and you can find me at Dino Mother on TikTok. Or yes. you can find me at Celery Ties, T-I-S-E, on Instagram. Cute. Chelsea, Very where cute. can people find you? People can find me at Chelsea Harfouche wherever internets are sold. You know that you can find me at Thought Leader on TikTok, although I'm still kind of a dirty lurker. I have very, very little content. Although I will say my TikTok that I've created that I'm most proud of comes from like month one of quarantine. So it's almost a year old, but it's just me watching my Stardew Valley character swim around in like the hot springs. And then I'm like crying in real life. That's cute. And like, it's still true. <laughs> I do, I do wish I'd be swimming. I do wish that's I'd an be energy. Swimming. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the TikTok I've made so far that I'm most proud of. And you can find me at Ellie Main on Instagram and Ellie Mayney on Twitter. And you can find this podcast at uh, at what pod? W U T P O D on. Don't laugh at me. I'm trying to do the. What are you laughing at? Because it seemed like you forgot the name of our podcast. Well, maybe I did for a second. You know what? But I made it back. I came back. I found my way back. You can find this podcast at WhatPod on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, Patreon, and apparently Pinterest now because we have to have a Pinterest. Excellent. Um, And you can find our website at thosetwogirls.club and our Redbubble at redbubble.com forward slash WhatPod. WhatPod. We hope you really enjoyed this episode. I did. It was creepy and fun and spooky and weird. I did. Yes. I, I laughed a lot. I, I enjoyed it. And you know what? I this episode made me laugh. I hope you join us next week, but maybe in between you should, I don't know, go love something. Who's been keeping it oh so loose? You gotta keep it tight and say your prayers at night. Ba, 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 ba.